Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. And by Sheward & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti, sitting in for Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. After the oil crash of the mid-80s, everybody around here realized that for the economy to come back and for us to have a chance of surviving a future downturn, we'd need to diversify. In other words, we'd have to start up businesses here that employ people in fields other than oil and gas. Now, that's easy to say, but we live in a free market economy. Politicians can't direct people to start up businesses, but look at what happened. Another oil crash came along just a couple of years ago, and it did certainly impact us, but not nearly as badly as the crash of the 80s, because yes, our economy is now diversified. So how did that happen? One of the reasons is if you have an idea for a business outside of oil and gas, you no longer have to leave Acadiana to make it happen. There are now avenues to take you from startup to success. There's people to help you set up your business and even find investors. Two of those business builders are the Opportunity Machine and Innovate Acadiana. Destin Ortega is the program administrator at Opportunity Machine. Destin, welcome out to lunch. Hey, it's great to be here. Now, Pete Prados is the program director at Innovate Acadiana. Pete, welcome back to Out to Lunch. All right, great to be here. Thanks. We must have liked you. We brought you back. (laughs) (laughs) So, gentlemen, we'll get to what each of you do and the differences between your two organizations in just a bit. But first, I want to start with the big picture. We live in a country that has the biggest economy in the world. We pride ourselves on free market capitalism. And because of that, we've given rise to incredibly successful economic engines like the Ford Motor Company, Apple, Microsoft, Walmart, McDonald's, and hundreds more. Beyond that, 80% of working Americans are employed by small businesses. All of the major companies I just mentioned and most small businesses were started up and became successful long before the current emergence of business accelerators and incubators like Opportunity Machine and Innovate Acadiana. These kinds of organizations that you run are not unique to Acadiana, they're all over the country. So my question to you is why, after hundreds of years of rugged individualism and innovation that's given us everything from the in-sync garbage disposal to online shopping, why does the current generation of business starters need professional help? <laughs> I mean, well, you have ideas all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody gets ideas. What do you do with them? That's the thing. Ideas are worth nothing, right? Even patents, most of the time, they're really not worth anything unless you can commercialize that idea. That's why I got such a flat forehead, right? People come up with great ideas, and I thought about that six months ago, but I didn't act on it. So. Everybody needs That's a place to go. You're the, you're the guy. Yeah, Is well, that? you know, and, and we get crazy ideas all the time, and it's such a blast to try to ferret those ideas out and try to take it to the point where it's actually commercializable, scalable, investable, and can be the next Snuggie or whatever, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Who knows what? <laughs> I invented the koozie. There's a... Yeah. Destin, what would 
would you say, somebody first comes into your office and they tell you they have an idea, what would you say that you'd like them to do first? Uh, so the first thing I would like them to do is actually, tip, well, typically they don't just come in with one idea. They come in with uh, many ideas. Oh, really? Okay. Notebooks full yeah. most, <laughs> a lot of the times. Uh, so I have them narrow it down as much as possible. We, we, we sit down, we talk about feasibility, we talk about resources, uh, we talk about interest uh, and, and motivation. Passion for the project is a huge thing. Uh, so we talk about all those things and try to get it narrowed down on one specific idea or maybe, maybe you know, uh, up majority of, or mostly five, that they're somewhat underneath the same umbrella, you know, and then try to make sure that, uh, you know, they can stay focused on those things and, and not kind of spread themselves too thin. So you're pretty good at figuring out which ones are most viable, I guess. Yeah, based on uh, research that we've done and companies that we've worked with and just kind of going in and out. I mean, there's plenty of times when people have come in and had an idea and right away it might not be something that speaks to me because I may not just be one of their demographics, their target demographics. Yeah, so we, it's important for us to do the research and help them figure out if there's a target demographic for it or not and not just be the person that says, no, nah, I, I wouldn't be interested in this, so it's not going to work. Right. It doesn't work that way. Now, Pete, do you sometimes get that person where you think you have to find a nice way to say that's sort of ridiculous? You know, so we've been doing this for about six or seven years now, and that is a special skill to tell people that their baby's ugly. The best, some, sometimes the best thing to do is just to ask a lot of questions to, so they can go, you know what, I guess that baby ain't as pretty as I thought it was. And so they come to that own their own conclusion, oh. but that's... But, you know, you really don't know. I mentioned the Snuggie earlier. If somebody came to me and said, you know, I have this idea for a blanket that's really a robe that's got sleeves in it, you know, I'd say that's crazy, right? But $150 million plus <laughs> later, right, the Snuggie is, you know, it ramps up, ramps down. But you mentioned a key word, which is viable. Viable can mean a lot of things. It could be a lifestyle business, right, that's very viable. I look at now, because we started an angel group through the lens of an investor. And for people it, that don't know, an angel group is? It's a group of high net worth individuals that invest in a portfolio of deals, knowing that half of them will fail and a couple of them will break even, a couple of them will, maybe one or two will become a unicorn. And these companies are uh, early on in their lifestyle? Not, not no, usually yeah. we want to see them get traction. So that's a beauty thing, a beautiful thing about the opportunity machine. They can go into an incubator, an accelerator, ferret out their ideas, pivot several times, start to make revenue. And then we can look at that financial model as investors, put money in, hoping to get a nice exit five to seven years later. So viable is interesting. It could be a lifestyle business. We need those. It could be an investable business that has an exit strategy, and we need those too. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, sorry, real quick, the the whole marketplace can really be a double-edged sword. It can help tell you, you know, if, if we don't want to tell you that, that your baby's not as pretty as you think, you know. But then it can also tell investors that may not originally be interested in your idea that, wow, there really is a market for this and we should really be paying attention. So that's why it's so important to start off doing your, your research and understanding whether or not there is a target demographic for what your product or your service is. That's, you know, we both use the lean methodology, the lean startup. I don't know if you're familiar no, with what's that. that. Eric Reese has put out, put out this... Uh, 
book called The Lean Startup, The Lean Canvas, and, and organizations would, If you, all somebody over, was starting a business, would you recommend they read this? Every single time. Okay, that's every your... Every single time. That's our go-to. It's a whole process of build, measure, learn, create a minimal viable product, and then test the marketplace to see if you actually have something that can be commercialized. We both teach this. It's when we do accelerators or incubators, we always teach that method, right? So that's right. one of the first things that most of the people that read the book will ferret themselves out, wow. or what I was gonna say is they learn to pivot. So they come with idea A, they start testing the market, build their minimal viable product, which could be software, it could be a product, whatever, test the market, right? That's how they learn, build, measure, learn, and they keep doing that circle until they got something where people say, I want that, I'll pay for that. I know how much I would pay for that, how much my cost would be, you back into it, you got a business. And there's that other book, How Ugly Is Your Baby? There's, uh, they, uh, they, you, you read the title of my next book. <laughs> hey, Dustin, we talk about models and all, but um, what is your business model? Like, a, you know, how do you make money? Uh, so we are a 501c6 nonprofit. Uh, we're a membership-based nonprofit. So basically, when uh, we have two, two avenues of accelerator or incubator, uh, when a company comes in and, or I should say company, uh, when a person comes in and they have an idea on a napkin and uh, they're just like trying to get it started, then we have membership fees, different levels of membership fees uh, that are associated with the type of space that they're included in, uh, the type of training and all that that's involved with it. So if we have a co-working uh, space, which is our dream up membership, you're really coming in, you're trying to dream up your idea. It's just open seating you just come in you get you're a part of the ecosystem and then you really start to figure out what your idea is as we start to work with you on helping you incubate that process or you come in and you've either been in business for a while and you're getting ready to ramp up and hire a bunch of people or you've previously sold a business and you're starting a new business so you already have that understanding of how a, a business starts um, and you just want to get from point A to point Z a whole lot faster so we take you through the accelerated track uh, and you can apply for, with us, you can apply for scholarships. So scholarships basically waive your fees or cut them in half. Uh, and you can get all the benefits of the Opportunity Machine and accelerating or incubating your business um, based on a couple of key things that we look for, which is potential for job creation um, and innovation for the community, which is really about and our mission's the same as uh, Lita, who, was, who we started off underneath, uh, economic development for the Lafayette Parish. And what's the difference between an incubator and an accelerator? Uh, so the incubator is really kind of going back to what, what I said earlier about you're coming in with an idea and you're you're a baby. You're that little egg, you know, that's getting ready to hatch. You know? Darn good-looking baby, yeah. too. The darn look, the old good-looking baby. baby. We're, we're, makeup. That's what makeup's yeah. all about. <laughs> Applying plenty of makeup, you know. <laughs> little, little cosmetic surgery if needed. But, uh, you know, that's... You're starting off very small. Maybe you don't have any business uh, experience at all, but you have what you think is a really good idea. And that's where we go through the research to figure out, do you need to make those pivots? And this is all in the incubator that's side. That's correct. Okay. Yes. And then on the accelerator side, it's more about, okay, what can we do to help you ramp up as fast as possible? Maybe we help offset some of the cost of you know, space and furniture and, and, and overhead like uh, internet and energy and power, all that stuff, and you spend those dollars on hiring and creating more jobs for the economy. And that way you can hire more people uh, faster and then take on bigger projects to ramp up and, and get that uh, revenue coming in. I think if you think about an incubator versus an accelerator, an incubator is a place 
and an accelerator is a process. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. So uh, an accelerator usually has a start and stop sign. It could be three months, six months, or whatever, but it's a program that you go through. So a program versus a place. An incubator is a place you go to. Accelerator is the program you go through. You know, one thing I've noticed is, um, is in Louisiana, the incubators and the accelerators, it seems like the entrepreneurs want to work together and, and help each other. Whereas, I mean, yeah. I'm not throwing stones here, but in big cities like Boston, New York, San Francisco, I hear that everybody's, you know, out for themselves and at each other's throats. Is that be, oh, man, you, you see them become clients of one another. They collaborate with one another. They're in the same classes with one, with one another. That's a big problem sometimes. People think, Look, I don't want to share my secret sauce, <laughs> yeah. right? Don't I don't want everybody to know what I'm They're doing. They're asking for but, NDAs but the, they don't need. But the people, <laughs> right? Exactly. And it, but the people who get it right off the bat, they'll share everything because they want feedback and they know that nobody's really going to jump into my idea and do it because nobody's me. Invested the time, energy, and effort. So the collaboration's incredible. Correct. And uh, and uh, you know, just looking at it for us, we were talking about pivoting earlier. You know, at first we're thinking it's extremely important for us to promote the classes that we have and the space that we have available for these companies coming in. But one of the things that we didn't realize that was really important for us to promote is the ecosystem that's created and how friendly and how willing the other companies in our organization are willing to work with each other and help each other out to get to that next level. You know, it wasn't until people started coming up to me saying one of the biggest things about, one of the, the best things about this program uh, or being in the OM is just being in the ecosystem and working with other entrepreneurs and startups. And that's when we realized, oh, we really should be promoting this as part of our marketing strategy to get more people into the opportunity machine. Including the mentors and advisors. Correct. This is a big part of it. There's a lot of people who have been very successful and they want to give a hand up to the next generation coming. So we just did a program with a bunch of high school kids. We had dozens of mentors that came in, volunteered after hours to just spend time with these you know, budding great. ideas, these budding entrepreneurs. And they, they, they adopted them. They, they, you know, they're giving <laughs> yeah. advice, inviting them to the office, taking tours, give, sharing their secret sauce with them to, for the next gen coming up. That is really the magic that happens in just about every ecosystem. And, and that's what I was going to bring up too, is that do you recommend that uh, an entrepreneur, after they sort of get things going a little, have some sort of advisory council? Oh yeah, that's critical. Definitely. It's extremely important to have a mentor, uh, or more than one if you can, uh, who specialize either in an industry that you're trying to break into or have some sort of understanding of starting a business to begin with. And it's extremely important to have your team, try and build your team as quickly as possible because no one can do it by themselves, you know? Trying to multitask is basically just trying to do a whole bunch of things not so well, you know? You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking to Destin Ortego from Opportunity Machine and Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana. Pete, what about Acadiana in terms of a... Uh, it seems so fertile for for new companies and all. But what about access to capital? Is it is it getting better? Can it can it? Uh, we'd obviously like to see more. So what we did when we looked at the ecosystem and what was important, one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle was that lack of access to capital, non-traditional besides banks. And so we started Acadiana Angels two years ago. We've got you know dozens of accredited investors. We've invested over three million dollars in startups just in the last two years. And I can tell you this, Peter, money is never 
the issue. It is not the issue. There's enough people right now that want to invest in deals. We just can't find enough great deals. It's about deal flow from the investment standpoint. Remember, there's a difference between lifestyle businesses, which we need, and investable businesses that have an exit strategy. But you've got a viable business that can scale and has an exit strategy with the right people because you invest in the jockey before you invest in the horse, right? The money is there. So many people were in oil and gas that you know, let's face it, you're going to be in that business, you're, you're a risk taker. Yeah, they're right. We know it. We got, we, you know what? We got generational, generational DNA of entrepreneurism in this region, and a lot of regions, but this region for sure with oil and gas, that's what we did. We, I started an oil and gas software company, sold it to National Oil Varco, one of the largest companies in the world, and now we're helping entrepreneurs just like that. And there's so many people like that in the oil and gas space, and they're willing to even diversify outside of oil and gas, say, especially now right, with, the, with the economy. So we're looking I mean, at telecom, well we're, lo we're looking at cybersecurity, we're looking at manufacturing, we're looking at software, all these different Vertical markets are very viable for investment, medical especially. Now, Pete and Destin, this is the part of the show we call another great idea. Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got a great idea for you. They tell you about this job you should apply for, or that guy you should have a cup of coffee with, or a great investment opportunity you should jump on. <laughs> now, you can take advice like this, and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that might have turned out really great, or you can take your friend's advice and it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Do you have an example in your life or career of a friend who had a great idea for you? Did you take their advice and how did it turn out? I'll start with Destin. One of my friends, I, they saw me buying all these entrepreneur books and really trying to ramp up my knowledge of entrepreneurial startups and you know how to, how to become successful and how to prevent getting those mistakes um, or you know failing overall. And uh, I just, I'd buy them all, and I'd have stacks and stacks of them, and I just would never get around to reading them all. And because uh, whenever I read, for some reason, especially at night, it just puts me out. I could read a page or something, no matter how interesting Same it is, here. it knocks me out cold. One of my friends recommended that I, I try, you know, doing audiobooks. And uh, I'm a big, when I'm driving, it's my, you know, it's it's my quiet time or I'm just listening to music I'm trying to zone out I'm trying to meditate a little bit you know so I was like no I really like having my ambient sounds or my music or something playing you know I used to be a musician so I'm big into listening to music and that's the time that I have now you know with a, with a kid and a wife and all these different uh, responsibilities now that's my time to, to just do that and uh, but then I realized that I really needed to catch up on all this knowledge, all these different things. And I started listening to audiobooks, and let me tell you, it's like the best thing ever because I'm getting all this knowledge that I need just driving to work, take a little bit with me, I have time to process all that information and then drive back from work and I have time to process all that information or I'm going from just coming over here, you know, I'm listening to something on the way here. <laughs> Pete, what about yourself? Well, I'll date myself a little bit. Okay. Uh, I won't tell you about all the bad. This is going to be about eight tracks because I can't <laughs> take it. <laughs> That's right. Versus beta, right? So, uh, in 1995, this kid came to us who was teaching these uh, people coming from offshore this new thing called Windows 95. And everybody coming from offshore said, why don't you come to our platforms? And I said, that's a great idea. Platforms, Why don't you? as in platforms. As in right, platforms yeah. in the Gulf of Mexico, <laughs> seriously. And so we, we said, I said, you, you need to go find some investors. That's a great idea. Well, he couldn't find them. And so a friend of mine and I said, you know what? Let's buy a couple of these real fancy new DX 
486DX66 Pentium computers. We bought 10 of them and a projector, and we, and we gave this kid a business and said, go do it. We were partners with him. That took off. Mobile Oil, Kermagee, Shell, they all said, come to us with this training. And so that's how we started our first business. We wound up landing all of Unical's Gulf of Mexico. They wound up, we wound up supporting that whole Gulf of Mexico. And then they wanted to know about this thing called Microsoft Access. That turned into software development. And then they said, could you just build our software for us? That turned into a product called Drillwell. 10 years later, we sold it for several million dollars. And then everybody got hired, and several of those people are still working for that company now. I, work, I had a two-year commitment in 2005, stayed for four, traveled the world. I mean, it was, that was one of those ideas that came, and, and I said, that sounds good. Let's just push a little bit in, and it worked. And we we're very, very blessed by, that, by making that decision. You know, I've got to ask you, in the last uh, four years, there's been so much entrepreneurial excitement here in Acadiana, and partially because the oil field is, is taking a downturn. When oil prices come back again, do you think entrepreneurship will take a back seat, or is it it's already we Every year we have at LADCO, the Energy Innovators Pitch Competition, and we have found some really great investable oil field centric. We Now we call it energy. So it can be in, in different yes, areas yeah. of energy, right? It's not... Wind, solar, yep. Yeah, and I mean, a great example of a local company that we found that does a downhole tool, has got software. They've blown up since we invested in them two years ago from about 20 employees to about 80 employees. They're on rigs everywhere and doing fantastic. Oilfield is still a great place to innovate. Energy, upstream, midstream, downstream. So these people won't just go back to their old jobs. People want to continue to be entrepreneurs. Uh, there's never, I mean, again, how many ideas do people come up with? You know, necessities of mother of invention. Right. It happens all the time in the oil field, medical, technology field. There, it's, it's, sky's the limit. So if things get good, do we worry that the, the mother of invention won't be out there? <laughs> <laughs> We're getting lazier and lazier, Peter. Come on now. Every, every app, it seems like, just makes me lazier and lazier. And people want to be lazy. So if they can do things easier, faster, more efficiently, safer... I mean, there's there's room for a lot of improvement. And the best is yet to come. Oh, great! I think that uh, you know it's important to note that some of these companies are understanding that that you know these ideas are going to happen, and they don't want to lose those really talented employees. So they create um, you know f platforms for them to develop their ideas and their pro their products or a new service within that company. Intrapreneurs, they call oh, it. Yeah, intrapreneurs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, CGI is a great they reward example. Them. CGI is doing that with some of their employees right now. They give them a platform where if you have an idea, come to us. We'll help you develop it and you know give you a large portion of it. I was going to say, do they get um, the entrepreneurial benefit? They get a piece sometimes. of the action. And sometimes. sometimes it depends on it depends on the company and it depends on how much they get or if they get anything. But uh, there's always typically most of the companies I've seen there's always some sort of great reward if you have something that works or job security or your name on a patent yeah. or whatever <laughs> or some of them go that's a great idea I think I'm gonna start a company on the side yeah is and that one of the first things you do somebody comes up with an idea and you check to make sure it's not already out there well you there's a couple of things make sure that there's no contract with that employee with their employer okay. yeah. because that can cause conflict right away that's part of the vetting process but yeah you want to look at the competitive landscape you can go to Google patents you can look at the USPTO.gov you can see what's out there that's already issued you just don't know what's pro in process but that's a great start for 
if I have idea where do you go, that's where I always tell people. And of course, they're, you know, they're not telling the company at that point, right? I would imagine. I mean, they're coming to you like a priest or something, right? There's a, it happens all the time. Yeah, I'm, it happens really several times a week for me. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, and you ask those of, questions: Are you under contract? Can you do this? Right? Yeah. And a lot of the people that come in that do currently work for another organization. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that a lot of their ideas have nothing to do with the current industry they're in, right. uh, or they have nothing that would work for that, that company that they currently work for. Now, I, I'm glad you are helping these people. I was not a good entrepreneur. I had a, I had a lemonade stand as a kid and uh, made no money and eventually had to burn it down for the insurance. So they, uh, <laughs> I'm so glad you guys That's are... one way of making money, actually. <laughs> at, least, at least you're smart enough to take out the insurance. <laughs> I started out today's show by saying that part of the reason we have a strong, resilient, and growing economy in Acadiana is that people who have ideas for businesses beyond the oil and gas industry no longer have to leave here to be successful. Ironically, two people who could leave here and do very well for themselves outside of Acadiana are you two guys, Pete and Destin. Uh, the fact that you're committed to being here has made it possible for other people to stay here. And the flow-on effect of that retention ripples through the whole community and is felt by everybody. So on behalf of everybody, thank you both for everything you do, and thanks for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. It's a pleasure being here. Great. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Destin Ortego, Program Administrator at Opportunity Machine, and Pete Prados, Program Director at Innovate Acadiana. You can find out more about Destin and Pete's bust-out business boosting by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researchers are Ann Christian and Allie Coates. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsacadiana.com, and on our It's Acadiana Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius at lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get podcasts and at itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and krvs 88.7 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti sitting in for Aileen Bennett. Thanks for joining me today. We look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe Vermilionville is open Monday to Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escudet. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Sheward & Associates, 
legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Collie Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.